0: First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. First Timothy 6:12, that's our text. The title is "The Grand Christian Endeavor." As, you're, as you live your Christian life down here, there's something you're trying to do. There's a pursuit you have. So you've got some endeavor you're involved in as a Christian. So you're something totally different in this world, because you're a Christian and we'll see what the Bible has to say about it. First, uh, first, not First Corinthians, First Timothy, chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. He's talking to Timothy. Is Timothy saved or lost? Saved. He's saved. But you know what he told him? He said, you've got to fight and while you're fighting here's the purpose of your fight to lay hold on eternal life didn't he already have it? he was saved that is eternal life had a hold of him but he needs to grab a hold of it a lot of Christians running around that are saved they got their fire insurance but they've not laid hold on eternal life they're not involved in the thing that's changed them we need to be Notice the context. The context puts this one verse kind of in a weird spot. <laughs> you look at this, a lot of the Bible is that way. You'll read it and you'll think, wait a minute, that doesn't match. We change subjects on me all of a sudden. In verse 1, he talks about servants. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. If you're a servant, count your master worthy of... A-L-L, all honor. That's if, you're ser- that's if you're serving an unsaved, pagan, no good master. That's not a Christian master. That's a wicked master. He said that servant should count his master worthy of all honor. Ooh, that's tough. And if you're lucky enough to have... A Christian is your master. Verse 2. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they're brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Okay, he says when it comes to you um, preaching to your congregation there, Timothy, here's one thing you need to know. Tell them it's their job to serve their master and count that master worthy of all honor, (laughs) whether they're saved or lost, whether they're good or they're wicked. Now, you don't honor wickedness. You honor the position, the master position. Okay, that's the context of this chapter. Next he says, he goes directly from that to heretics. Okay, wait a minute. What's the the joining tissue here? (laughs) First of all, we're going to talk about servants. Then I want to talk about heretics. That seems like an abrupt hip-hop. I mean, we're over here and now we're jumping over here. No, the connecting tissue is this. If you do not uh, view your master as worthy of all honor, you become this type of heretic. And he's going to tell us about it in verse 3. If any man teach otherwise something other than what I just told you, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, uh, whereof cometh envy, strife, railing, evil surmising, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness." From such withdraw thyself. Oh, now, I read that a little dramatic, I know, but I think that's the way he said it. That's not something you say sweetly. <laughs> okay, so it all starts out with honor the proper positions as unto the Lord, not unto man, but honor the position, otherwise, you become a heretic. <laughs> And he further said, just stay away from heretics. Then he says, here's the proper... I'm going to go back to point one. Paul's talking here. I'm, I'm not Paul, but we're, I'm going to act like I'm Paul. Okay, Timothy, I gave you a premise here. Servants had better obey the way God intends them to. If you don't, you're a heretic and here's what you are. I'm just going to reveal it. <laughs> and he did in that section of verses we just read. And he says, now I'm going to go back to talking about if you will do the things you're supposed to as a servant. Here's what you are. Verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain, as opposed to the people who think um, uh, gain is godliness. They got it backwards. Godliness with contentment is gain. For we brought nothing into this world, certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith uh, let us be therewith content. As a servant, that's what you would have. You would have food. The master would make sure that you were fed. I told uh, Toby ran Aaron out. And where'd you go yesterday, Daphne? And we're waiting on her. Me and Laura waiting on her to get back to go to lunch. I said, me and Laura have been slaving here working all day and you better hurry up and get back. you got to feed your servants. <laughs> Can't get any work out of them if they don't have any food. <laughs> Patton says an army marches on its belly. <laughs> That's right. Here he's saying as a servant you're going to get food and you're going to get something to wear. The master will make sure of that. So you can be content. <laughs> wow. Now... He didn't say that God is duty-bound to give you a bunch of extra things and you're going to be... That wasn't even part of the discussion. So We're talking about something way above and beyond materialism. Now, he says, I want you to be careful. We talked about the servant, just who he is and what he's supposed to do. Then I showed you a bunch of heretics and who they are. Then I said... As a good servant, here's the proper attitude you should have. Recognize you got food and you got clothes. You really have no reason to complain. Then he says, look out. The devil's going to try to fool you. If you'll take the proper attitude toward your servanthood, the devil doesn't like it. Verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the, from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It says the snare of the devil is this, a dollar bill. He's not shy about mentioning money in this chapter one bit. Repeatedly. Wicked people think a bunch of money is godliness. Okay, well, they'll put godliness on their dollar bill. <laughs> and they do. They say, I've got to make a bunch of money because I'm going to do this for God with it. Ananias and Safara. <laughs> okay. God can. God is not in need of money. Realize that. Now, He's got a lot of people that are And He makes sure they get it. When you need something, God makes sure you have it. And He orchestrates events to get it to you. And we want to be part of that conduit system, that's true. But He's not sitting up at heaven fretting, Oh, they didn't give me 10% today. What am I going to do? Go to the bank. See if we can get a loan. (laughs) He doesn't need it. But He says, man will be run by it. It's a device of the devil. Devil loves to use money to snare that is trap somebody and it'll divert their focus from God to gain and that's not good then the next verse the next two verses are our text he says but thou o man of god so he's a man of god already flee these things and follow after righteousness Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. And then our verse, our text that we already read. The fact of the matter is this. He was a Christian. He was a godly man. But he needed to be reminded, you've got to keep your focus right. And to keep your focus right, you need to do something that sounds unchristian-like. Fight. There's a time to fight. And there's something to fight. It's not what the world's fighting. And it's not people. It's not flesh and blood. It's something spiritual. And if you're not fighting, you're in the snare already. So let's see what uh, we have in our passage. In chapter 6, verse 12, the first thing I want to notice is the prize. The prize here is eternal life. That's, that's the thing that it should capture your attention when you read that. Lay hold on eternal life. That's the good part of it. Eternal life is not a layaway plan. Some people think it is. I get saved and I do so many good deeds and at the end of my existence I get eternal life. That's wrong. The second you got saved, you got eternal life eternal life Praise the Lord. right now what are you doing with it you got it right now we're not waiting to die to get it ok it's the same life you're going to have when you die so do something with it <laughs> now here's what it is I'll put it in another way eternal life is this God gave you an all access pass to the theme park of life human life however what you do with that pass is up to you I could get a Disney World pass I never have had one probably never will they're too expensive (laughs) but if I had one of those things I could go to Disney World and I could walk in that front door and go on all of those stupid rides (laughs) or I could just sit there I mean, I got a pass. I can do that. But you know what? If I just sit there and watch people go buy two expensive cups of water, (laughs) I'm in the park. I got the pass. But I've not enjoyed the park, have I? That's not the reason the park was made. So it's up to us how much we enjoy eternal life. We've been given the pass for it. Now, go enjoy it. And just like a theme park, crazy roller coasters, that's how people live the Christian life. You go up that thing, that roller coaster is designed to give you all sorts of emotions. It's supposed to scare you and then it's supposed to please you. Isn't that your spiritual experience? Sometimes you're scared to death. You're on that roller coaster and you're dropping. And then sometimes you feel like you're floating. Okay, that's the way God designed it. You've been given that all access pass. That means you're using it. (laughs) In John, he says this He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You're not waiting for it, you got it. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. You're passed. That is, you've got the pass in your pocket. He says in another place, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is. And we're not waiting for it to be. It already is. It's in my pocket. i got eternal life. Your access pass is a free gift to you. It didn't cost you a penny. Somebody else had to pay for it. Jesus Christ did. Now we've got to figure out what we're supposed to do with it. Obviously we're supposed to enjoy it. You don't mind, find many Christians enjoying their Christian life. Find a bunch of Christians enjoying life, carnal life that has nothing to do with God. You find a lot of Christians who think they're being godly and they don't enjoy a minute of it. That's not what God designed. We're supposed to enjoy this thing and take advantage of it. Now, we should get all those emotions you would get at a park. Um, I don't get a big kick of it out of going through all those roller coasters and those crazy things, but it's a big thing. I'm an oddball, I know. <laughs> Most people do. Most people love those things because it gives you all of those emotions and sensations. And to me, that's exactly what I see with this Christian life. God's going to put us through things and we're going to think there's no way out of this. Just like on that roller coaster. And yet He's got you. He designed that roller coaster. It can't come off the track. (laughs) It might feel like it's going to, but it's not. Enjoy it. Look at the pursuit in our passage. 1 Timothy 6.12 He says, Fight the good fight of faith. Now here's the pursuit. Lay hold on. That is, catch up to it and grab it. Lay hold on it. And that is, hold on as tight as you can get. (laughs) That tells you that if you don't actively seek it, you won't get it. You've got eternal life, or eternal life has got you, but have you got it? Do you have a handle on it? I doubt it. (laughs) I don't either. He says at the end of that verse that Timothy has professed a good profession before many witnesses. That's something past tense. He's already done that. Here's something future he needs to do. Go get a hold of eternal life. Grab hold on it. Okay, that's a pursuit that we should all be involved in. Profession isn't enough. He needs possession. Go grab it. In Proverbs, he says this They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. When you know the scripture, you know right from wrong, not because you've decided it's right or wrong. God has declared it right or wrong. Then, when somebody else professes wrong, the righteous are going to contend with them. That's fighting. Now, it shouldn't be carnal fighting. We don't go beat them up so that they can change their opinion. <laughs> they wouldn't have changed their opinion. They may have said it, but they didn't. <laughs> he says in First uh, Thessalonians, he says this, But even after that we had suffered before uh, and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. You know how you're really enjoying the ride is if you're out there witnessing or you're talking to someone else and you experience the contention. It's uncomfortable. That's that roller coaster. It's that you're going down thrill hill. Enjoy it. <laughs> the contention right there. It's Supposed to be there. It's part of the life. Titus, Titus chapter one. Look at verse nine. Titus one verse nine. Timothy was one preacher that Paul wrote to. Titus is another one. Titus 1 verse 9. Holding fast the faithful words as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Okay, so this is something that all of us should be able to do. By sound doctrine. So we've got to figure out what that is first. (laughs) Then use that. Not convincing speeches and great poems. (laughs) Those are not godly means by which to convince someone. Verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Okay, punch them right in the mouth. (laughs) That's fighting, that's contending spiritually. In Hebrews, he says this, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. That's the fact. If you're not continually chasing after to lay hold on eternal life, you'll let the opportunities slip. You'll let the experiences slip that God had planned for you. He says in another place, In Jude, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. He's got two words in there that are important. Not just fight for it, not contend for it. Earnestly contend. Be a champion and get serious about it. (laughs) In this life, we should in 1st Timothy 6 look at verse 11 1st Timothy 6 back up to verse 11 if you're going to fight this fight you've got to look out for the trap <laughs> there are many traps verse 11 but thou o man of God flee these things and follow after righteous so forth so on there's something to flee and there's something to follow always in this Christian life the hardest thing is recognizing which one you flee and which one you follow but always be on the lookout and ask God show me am I supposed to follow this or am I supposed to flee from this it's a good idea not to be following something you should be fleeing from I'm not going to go be following no grizzly bear around sorry that ain't me go get somebody who works for National Geographic to do that (laughs) now the Bible says there's some things we should follow and some things that we should flee from and if you don't know the right one you might get eat up by the bear (laughs) so look at uh, 1 Timothy 6 look at verse 5 here's something about these people what most people follow especially in America is money And here's why, at the end of the verse there. Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Flee from that. If money is their life, and godliness is not as important to them as money, flee. Run. That's a snare designed by the devil. It's such a powerful one that he says... Best thing to do is not even contend with that one. Get out of town. Leave it alone. Look at verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. The money man can't fight that one. If I'm content, I'm not lusting after a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger whatever, the newest iPhone. How are you going to sell me one? <laughs> and if his focus is on godliness, you've got nothing you can market to me. <laughs> That's how you avoid that trap. View godliness as great gain. Look at uh, 2, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2. If you're going to lay hold on eternal life, you're going to chase after it and grab it. You've got to be careful not only that you're not following the wrong things. You've got to be careful that you're not getting trapped. If there's a pothole in the road, avoid it. <laughs> verse 4. 2 Timothy 2, verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself. It didn't say somebody else entangled him. He entangled himself. <laughs> I mean, think about it. What a picture to paint. Man's going out there to war, and he says, Hold on, let me, let me get here. Help, help me tie myself up here. That doesn't make any sense. He says, If you're going to war, don't entangle yourself. That's the problem with Christians. The problem with Christians is not that the devil entangles them, it's that they entangle themselves. They know the things they should avoid, and yet they go play with it, flirt with it. They get tangled up by their own devices, their own choice. He says don't don't get yourself entangled with the affairs of this life. You know, this life to the world is all that matters. To a Christian, it's a nuisance we have to put up with. But if you're not careful, the devil will try to trick our mind too so that we get entangled with just whatever the affairs of this life are. Doesn't mean they're wicked. Just an affair of this life. Who are you going to vote for for president? It's an affair of life. Don't get entangled by it. I mean, put up with it. Do what you're supposed to do. But don't make that your focus of life. Something way more important than that. Verse 5. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. How about that warning? He's saying right there, as a Christian, you can get rewards if you're striving, but you're not going to get them if you don't do it according to the rules. Most people don't realize there's rules to the Bible. Yeah, there is. You have to strive lawfully. One place he says to rightly divide the words of truth. That is, you need to know where they fit and where they don't. Otherwise, you'll teach something that doesn't work okay well he's saying describe lawfully do it correctly okay that's too much on that point so we'll move on to the next one <laughs> back to our text First Timothy 6 <clears throat> look at verse uh, look at verse 15 notice the potentate I love this word potentate <clears throat> it just sounds powerful verse chapter 6 verse 15 which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate <laughs> that is head man in charge now if you'll keep that in mind it'll be a whole lot easier to do all the rest of that to know that one day the one you're serving is going to be running the whole show then that kind of starts prioritizing the things that we face potentate the king of kings and lord of lords who, is, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man hath seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting amen whew it's getting good there isn't it okay that's the reason we go through all this other stuff now that's going to be a day that will be like no other and as a Christian, you can put your mind right there and get happy real quick. You should be able to. If not, you need to check whether or not you're a Christian. Okay, so if we'll put our mind there, then it'll affect the actions we do here. It should. In Job's chapter two he says something I want you to I want you to hear the devil preach. This is crazy. <laughs> Imagine a preacher saying, Okay, come to church and let's listen to what the devil has to say. But I want you to. Job chapter 2, look at verse 4. Job 2, verse 4. You're not told a whole lot of things the devil has to say. Because this is the Word of God. However, when God thinks it's important... He'll tell you. Job 2, verse 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. Isn't that a fact? Whatever you consider life, you'll give all you have for it. Do we view eternal life as our life? Or do we view this mortal life as our life? If this mortal life is all you see of life, you'll give anything you can for it and end up with an empty handful. (laughs) If eternal life is what you view as life and important, you'll give all you have for that. Spend your time here on something that matters for eternity. Look at it in John, John chapter 17. John 17, verse 3. Let's get a Bible definition according to Jesus. John 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal. Okay, so he's going to define it for us. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. There's eternal life. How are you going to know God without studying His Word? It requires knowledge. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, you can get eternal life, it can grab hold of you without you knowing much about the Bible. But you're not going to turn around and grab a hold of that eternal life yourself if you don't know anything about the Bible. In Romans chapter 12, passage most people have memorized, Romans 12 verse 2, he says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, your mind always needs renewing. <laughs> when you wake up tomorrow, you've got to renew that mind or you've got day-old mind. <laughs> it needs to be renewed. <laughs> when we had kids growing up we didn't well we didn't eat we did a lot of eating out but when we would eat at home we, I didn't like leftovers it had to be me and Amy we're picky <laughs> it has to be cooked fresh we don't want any leftover we don't want anything old we want it new that's the way God views your mind it needs to be renewed refreshed every day only one way to do it: His Word. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, look at verse 5. We're talking about the time that the only potentate shows up and how great that'll be. And having tasted the good Word of God, have you done that? Sure. It's in your lap. You've tasted the Word of God and the powers of the world to come. Have you done that? Yes. If you've experienced laying hold on eternal life, that's the power of the worlds to come. Now, a lot of Christians have not experienced that power. It's grabbed them, but they've not turned around and grabbed back at it. Look at Second Peter, Second Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, verse 13. Second Peter 3, 13. Nevertheless, we, according to, the promise, uh, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. There's the power of that world to come. You know what it is? It's called righteousness. Now, that's something you can grab a hold of or not. A Christian can either be righteous or wicked depending on the, the will of their emotions. You decide which you're going to be. In Romans chapter 8, verse 10, the Bible says this, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life. Why? Because of righteousness. <laughs> it all boils down to righteousness. Are you Righteous. Not enough. (laughs) If somebody asks you if you're righteous, that's a complicated question. As far as in eternity, I am. As far as God looking down and determining am I going to heaven or hell, He sees Christ's righteousness. But as far as day to day, that's up to me. I may or may not be righteous on the moment. (laughs) Okay, that shows you whether or not I'm running after and trying to lay hold on this eternal life. Look we'll at back Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter four. 2 Timothy four verse seven. Get Paul's own testimony and then we're done. Paul says, I've I've lived a long time. Let me tell you my conclusion to my life. Second Timothy four verse seven. I have fought a good fight. Now, if you're going to be a real Christian, it's going to feel like a fight. If this life is easy, you're not living like a Christian. It should be a fight. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. Now, it's got to be a good one. A lot of Christians getting involved in fights that ain't good. (laughs) If the fight's not good, stay away from it. That'll be an entanglement. He says, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of what? Righteousness. That's what matters. If you in this life will focus on righteousness, you'll naturally fight the right things and you'll flee from the wrong things.